If you have your Bibles just for a few moments, I want you to turn with me to the book of Lamentations. It is called, I call it, I don't, it's not really called by theologians that, but I call it the book of the blues. Because Jeremiah has preached all the years that he preached to Israel to come back to God, to get rid of their idols, to come back to God so God could restore the blessing upon their nations, so that their enemies would not prevail over them, so that they would win their battles and, and, uh, and live in the safety and security of His favor. And they turned a deaf ear. In fact, the Bible said that they pulled away the shoulder. They wouldn't listen to reason. They made their heart as hard as an adamant stone, literally as a diamond. Nothing reached them. He got discouraged. He, uh, he said, judgment's going to come on this nation. And, and, uh, <laughs> and they didn't want to hear it. And they, they smote him on the face and they put him in a dungeon and he sunk down in the mire because he told them the truth. And they needed to hear it because God didn't want to send judgment. He wanted to restore that nation. And he said, I, I will do nothing except I first reveal it to my prophets. There will always be a message and an opportunity for repentance before any judgments are adjudicated. He said, I rose up early and sent my prophets unto you. You can see that same pattern in Jerusalem in the time of Jesus. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stone the prophets and kill them that are sent unto you. How many times would I have taken you under my wing as a mother hen does her chicks, but you would not. You wouldn't let me. Amen. We're seeing that same thing play out today. People are kind of looking for something that tickles the ear on Sunday morning. False prophets are saying to this nation and to the compromised church, peace, 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 peace. And the Bible said, woe to them that say peace when there is no peace. The Antichrist is going to come as a man of peace. And that's why he's going to be embraced by the nations of the world. And through peace, the Bible said he would deceive many. First three and a half years of the tribulation is not all those plagues and all of those apocalyptic events. The first three and a half years is a utopian world, a world money system, a world government, world peace. But it's coming with a price because once he seizes that kind of world dominion and world power, uh, then he's going to let the boom down. Uh, he's going to use a false prophet be because religion, when it all gets together and becomes cohesive, is a great force. And he's going to use the false prophet uh, to bring people together to promote himself. But when he's achieved that end, he's going to turn on everyone that names the name of God out of every religion in the world. But particularly the name of Jesus Christ because it's the only name that has salvation in it and through it. So he's going to promote religion at first and world peace at first. But there's not going to be a lasting peace until the Prince of Peace comes. And that's Jesus today. But you can see Jeremiah's broken heart down in the dungeon. He said he sank down in the mire. So it was a dungeon with a great work over top and a pit. And at the bottom of the pit, water seeped in. And when they put him in it, he sank down. Now he had to live and eat 
and sleep in the mire, the darkness, and the dampness of that dungeon. But when Israel started losing their battles and it looked like there was no way out and their enemies would prevail, a question was asked, is that prophet still alive? And they said, yes, he's still alive. They fed him on the bread of affliction, which literally was bread and water. Nothing like you eat in prison today. I tell you, when you're on bread and water, that old bologna sandwich, it tastes pretty good, wouldn't it? Uh, not that I've been there, but I preached in the prison, so I know, I know what it's all about. Amen. And they said, bring him here. The only hope for them is that they could hear from God and give heed to it. And they finally got to the place when they were hemmed in on all sides. And they asked him a question. By the way, before they asked him this loaded question, he said, I'm not going to speak for God anymore. No one is listening. No one cares. No one is supporting the truth. No one is giving heed. Why should I speak? Look what it's got me. It didn't help them, and it's put me in this terrible situation. I will not speak for God any further. But as he mused on these things, the Bible said that he said, but I couldn't stay. I couldn't keep from declaring the word of God, even down in the dungeon. And while this was occurring in him, something was happening up there in the high echelons of the of the government of Israel. And they said, bring that prophet, bring that one that we disdained and we disliked and we didn't want to hear his message. Bring him because we're in trouble and we need God's help. And we can't get it until we really hear from Him and give heed to what He has to say, what God has to say. So they ask Him, is there any word from the Lord? Well, He's saying, I can't help but declare it. Amen. Isn't God a powerful God to take a man in deep discouragement and a nation in deep trouble and bring him out of his discouragement and begin to restore the blessing upon Israel? But he hadn't seen it yet. They didn't turn. They didn't turn. They didn't turn. They didn't turn. And Lamentations is three chapters long. And it is written by a man who preached his heart out, called of God, anointed of God wept so much over the fact that he knew what was going to happen if they continued to rebel and repent, that he said, my tears caused my bed to swim. I have wept so much at night, if all the tears that I've wept, it could almost float my bed. Of course, their beds were not high off the floor. But the point is, he was a weeping prophet. He was known as a heartbroken prophet. Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, he identified with the hurt and pain that a fallen world had brought to God's creation. And he began to write, and this is part of what he, he saw them going into captivity. And look at what he said and where his hope came from. Lamentations, I'm going to just read 17 through 23. Uh, chapter 3 of Lamentations. Chapter 3, 17 through 23. And thou hast removed my soul far from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. Wormwood is a metaphor for bitter calamity and sorrow. Bitter calamity and sorrow. 
My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This is not the positive use of the word humble. This is not the virtue of humility that Jesus uh, really held so high in such high esteem. This is the word for crushed. He was just crushed. Crushed by the pressures. Crushed by the pain. He said, as I see this happening, I can't hardly take my eyes off of it. I have it all in remembrance and my soul is crushed within me. You know, David said, seeing what he saw, he went through such pain, such heartache and heartbreak. It wasn't just that an alien army was trying to overthrow his kingdom. That would have been bad enough. But David, with God's blessing, handled the Philistine giant and the Philistine army. But when his son, Absalom, turned against him to the point he wanted to kill him and take his kingdom from him. And he raised an army of his own countrymen. And they turned against their king and joined with Absalom. And David had to leave the holy city and go out into the wilderness and hide like a rabbit hiding from a wolf. And out in the wilderness, David, David, David got hungry and thirsty just to be back in the holy city. But, but he, was, he was broken inside. It wasn't just a threat without when your own family does that to you. And he's dealing with the pain and all of the anguish. And, and, and he said in one of his psalms, because he had known all of that heartache and that heartbreak. Don't think that being a champion for God and being a giant slayer means that your heart will never be broken and you'll never need the grace and the mercy and the help that God can give. Every champion of God has went through some heartbreak. He said, well, what about Paul? He was caught up in the third heaven. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. I'm glad you ask. Amen. The Bible said, the, uh, Paul's own words, uh, he, said, he said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, of the trouble that we experienced in Asia. How that we were pressed beyond measure and despaired of life itself that we might learn not to trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead the sentence of death works in us so that life can work in you but he had to go through that valley to get to that place where he could say I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me and thy grace is sufficient for me. He didn't just get that by revelation. He got it through a realization of the power and purpose of grace when he was weakened to that degree. Amen. You don't qualify for grace as long as you are flexing your spiritual muscles. There are people that want to come to church and flex their spiritual muscles and try to do... Try to convince all of us of how spiritual they are. And when I disqualify that is immaturity. Amen. They get real upset with me. There have been people left this church and some more will probably leave. And we can't afford too many more to leave. We're going to have to pray some more in. Can you say amen? Hopefully some people will come that didn't come to flex their spiritual muscles. Or try to convince us of their spirituality. But people that come that really want to grow in the Lord. And they understand the purpose and power of grace. Amen. The way up with God is down. Humble thyself under the mighty hand of God. and He will exalt you in due season. Not when you think you deserve it, but when He knows you can handle it. There's a big difference. Amen. Because if we fall into pride, and pride is a very 
very negative thing with God. The Bible literally says He resists the proud. But He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will what? He will exalt you in due season. Praise God. So we're a Pentecostal church and a lot of Pentecostals say, come tie my bow tie a few times and that's tongues. You know what I'm saying. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying, you know, it sounds different. They say, come tie my bow tie a few times. And they think that they're hidden shoulders above everyone and they don't need the grace we thrive on. Amen. But the Apostle Paul said, I, I am what I am. If you esteem me in any way, if you see the miracles of God working through me, if you see me going through things and keeping victory, I am what I am by the grace of God. Can you say man? Remember when he prayed because there was a buffeting spirit that kept causing problems in his life, bringing pressure to his life as a minister. He wanted God to remove that so he could have smooth sailing. And he sought the Lord thrice and three times. Heaven did not answer by removing that, what the Bible called a thorn in the flesh. Some people say it was sickness. I believe that it was a result of, and in a sense that may be true, because it's a result of the persecution. If you look at his persecutions, he said, If any man had reason to boast, I more. I was a Jew of the Jews, of the tribe of Benjamin, all of his religious credentials, his standing with the Sanhedrin. He said, I was a Jew of the Jews. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised the eighth day according to the law. And while we're talking about the law, I was blameless. Well, that was a lie. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. But that's how he saw himself. But he said, the things that I once counted gain, I count them as but dung that I might win Jesus Christ. He had to put aside all of those religious credentials. He couldn't flex his religious credentials. His, his identification now had to be with Jesus Christ and not his personal purity or piety. Can you say man? How many are identified with Jesus today? You know it's Jesus that died for you. And if He hadn't died for you, apart from Him and His death on the cross, we are nothing. We can do nothing. We're still lost in our sins. But thank God He went to the cross. And thank God, God accepted the sacrifice. Thank God, God raised Him up for our justification. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be saved by grace today. I'm glad I know it's a gift. I'm glad I know I cannot nor did not earn it. But I can live a life of gratitude and thanksgiving every single day of my life for what I have gotten as a free gift from God. Hallelujah. So I'm not here. I'm here as a pastor. And the way I see pastoring, because I am in a position of leadership. Remember Kathy that used to be our song leader? All the way back, Kathy Young and... And she, she said, Brother Venable, I want to be a bell sheep. I said, a bell sheep? What's a bell sheep? She said, it's the one sheep, and I checked this out. It's the one sheep that is so close to the shepherd that every time the shepherd stands up, that sheep stands up. He don't have to call it. He don't have to do anything. Just, just and walks right up behind the shepherd. And when the shepherd starts to move, 
That sheep is right there, right there at his thigh, moving with him. So they put a bell around that sheep's neck. So the other sheep hear the bell, they know the shepherd's on the move. They may be grazing, they may be distracted, but when they hear the bell of the bell sheep, they know the shepherd is on the move. And they begin to follow the shepherd because they heard the bell on the bell sheep and they wouldn't have even noticed that he was standing getting ready to move if they hadn't heard the bell. See how important a bell sheep is? And I said, Lord, that's what a pastor could be and should be and that's what I want to be. And that's what Paul said, isn't it? Follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. That meant with all of his credentials, he said, in reality, I'm just a follower of Jesus just like you. But I'm a close follower of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a story that comes out of that time. It is not in Scripture, but it is from that biblical time that some people came to bring Paul gifts while he was in one of his imprisonments, house arrest really, not a dungeon like Jeremiah. But they came to bring him gifts from the church to encourage him. And when they got there, instead of finding a discouraged, dispirited man, they heard him singing and praising God. And one of them asked one of Paul's close associates, has somebody already beat us there and brought him gifts and prayed with him? And said, no, no. He said, well, they don't even know if he's going to live or if they're going to hold him over to kill him. How can, how can he sing like that? His associate said, he's in love. In love? In love with whom? said, in love with Christ. And the man said, is that all? And his associate said, that's everything. Can you say, man, that's everything. You know, you won't really love him like Paul learned to love him. Unless you are down as far as you can go. And in His grace and mercy, He reaches way down. My dad used to, used to play on the fiddle that old Christian song that said, I was lost and undone without God nor His Son when the Savior reached down for me. When He reached way down for me. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, God had to reach way down for every one of us today but he did hallelujah and if you get down in a deep valley that same god will reach way down that's why david said i had fainted i had fainted i had been crushed by life it's akin to this word humbled here i had fainted unless i believed to see the goodness of god in the land of the living how many how many love the song won't it be wonderful there Having no burdens to bear. Walking and talking with Christ the Supernal One. Won't it be wonderful there? Amen. How many ever heard the song in the sweet by and by? Folks, Dennis is there. But we're here. We still got a journey, a race to run and a journey to complete. We're not in the sweet by and by. We're in the nasty here and now. And David said in Psalm 27, 13, I believe. If not, read all the Psalms and you'll find it somewhere. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. But I believe it's somewhere near there. Psalm 27. He said, I had fainted. 
Life would have crushed me. My heart would have been totally crushed unless I believed to see the goodness of God, not in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty here and now. Right in the midst of the troubles, the trials, and the tumults, and the heartache, and the heartbreak. He said, God is still on the throne. And God is merciful. And God is gracious. And I'm working as a pastor. You know what I'm working to do? Turn frowns upside down. I'm still... Listen, we we got Christians that say they believe in Him. And trust in Him. And love Him. And can't find peace in Him. And it hurts me to see that. Because I'm saying, what, what has happened to that relationship? Church can't change the world in the sense of the heartache and the heartbreak. Let me tell you two things about yourself. You live, and this may explain, it explains a lot to me. I like it simple. You live in a faulty body. We live in a faulty body. The Bible spoke of our vile body being transformed after His glorious body. This is a body subject to decay. I hate to break it to you, but if I could see a picture of you 20 years ago, Hobbs, let's don't go that far back. You know where he grew up? You know, you remember where, you know where he grew up? Next to Fred and Wilma's house. That's where he, he grew up. So when he says way back, we're talking about way back. <laughs> oh, Hobbs. His, see, his frown has, see, even... You can count on Brother Hobbs. He's helping me turn frowns upside down. Can you say amen? You've got to laugh to keep from crying sometimes. We're aging. We live in a faulty body. That's why there's healing through the cross. That's why God made the provision. Hallelujah. That's why He became Jehovah Rapha to Israel. He knows you live in a faulty body. And you live in a fallen world. Amen. Things are going to happen down here that's not ordained of God. Not in any way in the will of God. Because this is a fallen world and there's a God of this world with a little G who is influencing people on this planet. And darkness has covered the earth and dark, gross darkness the people, Isaiah 60 declares. But you know what it says in the midst of that darkness? It says, Arise and shine. For thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee, and shall be seen upon thee. Hallelujah. In the middle of all of this darkness, there are luminaries that God said, I want you to light up right now. Your light is needed more now than ever. In fact, you are the light of this sin-darkened fallen world. No man lights a light and puts it under a bushel, but lifts it high that all in the house might see. I can't hardly sing this little light of mine. Because, honey, the light of the revelation and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ is not a little light. It's a mighty light. Amen. Amen. Woo! This little light of mine. No, it's not little. It is so powerful. 
that the enemy himself fears the light of the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ, in the revelation of Jesus. The Bible said the God of this world has blinded the minds of men that they would see the glory of God and come to know Christ as their Savior. And we are to help illuminate a sin-darkened world just by following Jesus. Just by following Jesus. I was bivocational for 12 years. And... and uh, I worked for a production plant, and I was offered many opportunities for advancement. And see, these were church-going guys. Some of them were deacons that were my bosses. They usually make people that make quite a bit deacons because they sure want to keep them coming and giving. I didn't tell you about, honestly, they'll give you any kind of tag in the world if you're giving good, whether you deserve it or earn it or qualify for it. And I started to tell you about the guy that was on the desert island. He's with another guy. Two of them got stranded somehow on a desert island in an uncharted park, part of the ocean. And day after day, day after day, not a plane, not a hint of anything. And the one guy said to the other, you know, I don't think anyone will ever come for us. I don't think anyone could ever find us. I don't even believe this island is on any kind of map. And the other guy said serenely, Take hope. Take courage. I'm a businessman and a member of a large church. And I tithe $10,000 a month into that church. Be assured, my brother. My pastor is coming for us. <laughs> he won't give up. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, I know. I told you to bring your sense of humor. Everybody say, ain't that the truth? <laughs> God is so good today. Jeremiah has preached and no one has listened. And he said, when I consider the wormwood, the calamity, the bitterness of it all, and the gall, my soul is humbled in the negative use of the Hebrew word crushed within me. As I have them in remembrance, all of this negativity, I can't get it out of my mind. But this I recall. See, you have the power of recall. You and I can think on what we choose to think about. Your mind matters. That's why the Apostle Paul said, finally, brethren. First he says this. He said, though we are in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Finally, to sum it up, brethren... Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are of good report, whatsoever things are lovely, think. And in the Greek, it's think only. Get so focused that you don't think about the distractions and the discouragements, but you think about the goodness, the faithfulness, and the graciousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Think only on these things. For as a man thinketh in his heart, Proverbs said, so is he. 
up on our website, there's a quote from a great man of God that our brother put up there. And it said, what if you spent as much time as you do on Facebook in Facebook? There are people killed themselves because they've been bullied online by so many people put them down. They, they're judging themselves by other people's opinions instead of, instead of their value to God. What gives you value is not what other people think of you. It's what God knows about you and what He did in your behalf. It's the price that He paid to save you that gives you your value. Don't ever compete. Don't ever compare. Rejoice in the fact that if there was only one person and you were the one person lost on this planet, Christ would have came to heaven, stayed on the cross for those six hours of agony. Amen. In order to save your soul and mine. Hallelujah. He said, my soul is humbled within me. It's crushed. But this I recall to mind. Everybody say holy recall. Did you know if they had had that holy recall, they could have went into Egypt and not had to wander 40 years in the wilderness? Psalm 78 says, says, How often did they tempt me in the wilderness? Yea, they turned back and limited the Holy One of Israel. And in the same psalm, there is the reason that they did that. It said they remembered not Everybody say holy recall just for a moment. They remembered not his hand that brought them up out of the land of Egypt. See, if they had quit looking at their obstacles and interpreted it as God not loving them, or their enemies and interpreted them as God not loving them and caring for them, but if they had remembered what he did to get them out of Egypt, they would have the courage and the faith and the incentive to go over and take the land. But they remembered not... They didn't have holy recall. It's important to remember. This is a Memorial Day week. It's important to remember. Hallelujah. Remember. It's important to rehearse His victories. Amen. Have you ever had a victory in your life? Next time you're discouraged, go back to that. Rehearse it. Look back at it and say, Lord, you brought me through this. You brought me through that. Amen. You've been faithful down through these years and through all of these tears. And that's exactly what Jeremiah was saying. This I recall to mind. You see the power of a holy recall? This I recall to mind. Therefore have I hope. He's moving from helplessness and hopelessness into hope and optimism. This I recall to mind. Thy mercies are new every morning. Every time the sun comes up, there's a new opportunity for you and I to trust God because His mercy is flowing in a fresh way every day that the sun rises. Every day the sun rises, mercy flows from the heart and throne of God. And the Bible said, let us therefore... Come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Son of David, blind Bartimaeus said, where was the target of his faith? Just seeing him as a healer, as an anointed one? No, knowing his mercy. 
It kind of goes without saying that he's a healer. Oh my gosh. Amen. But, but to, to know that he would heal him, that he would show mercy to him. Son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy allows grace to help, to flow. And by the way, people that have it all together, all the time, do not qualify for mercy. I'm so glad there's no one here today flexing your spiritual muscle. They just won't keep coming. Because we reveal the pride in it. The Apostle Paul said, not that we're sufficient, as of anything is of ourselves. For our sufficiency is of the Lord. Christ taught apart from Him, you can't do anything, no matter how anointed you are. Some people... Come with an unteachable heart and spirit. They can't sit and listen and learn. They never see the need for personal repentance. But boy, they got you pegged. Amen. They can tell Matthew what he needs to do. Amen. And even Jesus taught us, you can't tell anybody and shouldn't tell anybody anything about the beam that is in their eye. Until you cast the moat, everybody say speck of dust, out of your own eye. And we're in a generation, listen, Pentecostals, I'm Pentecost from the head to my feet. I believe in the fire of God, the power of God. I believe in the charismata, the gifts of the Spirit. But I believe you have to develop in character to operate them properly. And I believe God's primary target is to develop us in character. And the fruit of the Spirit, the product of the Holy Spirit in our character, which is really producing, reproducing Christ's character in us. Amen. It starts with fruit like goodness, meekness. These are practical things. Kindness. Amen? People flexing their spiritual muscles are, generally speaking, not very kind. They become hardened. They're easily offended. They carry their feelings on their sleeve because if you if you question their spirituality for just a millisecond, instead of being humble and saying, you know, I need to let God do something for me before I try to figure out what she needs. Amen. Maybe I need God to do something in me before I try to figure out what he needs. If I get up here and preach, if I take this whole book and just want to nail people with it while I'm sitting up here, it's going to take a bigger book than this one. I'm just kidding. I love you, Sean. I love you. I love you. I was looking for one of the big family Bibles to whack him with. And he looks for stuff to get me with. We have this thing, but he loves me as his pastor and respects me, and I love him as my spiritual son. Amen. That's why I look for the big thing to whack him with. No, I'm just kidding. I love him. But I could do that. It's not big enough, Tobbs. It's just not big enough. You know the big family Bible with the hard cover. That's what I'm talking about. 
You know, the reason I believe I can preach some tough things sometimes because I've been in that valley. I've been in that place. I don't see myself as sitting high above anyone in this congregation. I am a servant. Paul, a doulos. Oh, what a weak word, really. The translation, it wasn't as strong as it should be. He would introduce himself, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. The word is doulos. Doulos. And it means a bond slave. I am committed to him because I love him. Amen. It's not the negative sense. I want to serve him with all that I have and all that I am for, for my entire life. Praise God. Remember the year of Jubilee? It's called the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus talked about it. Reverence Bible would take you all the way back to the year of Jubilee. What caused us jubilance? What was that year of Jubilee all about? It's when slaves, bond slaves, you owe a debt, you can't pay it, you've got to work it out. Could be five years, six years, every seven years. All of the people that owed debts had to be released and given gifts from their master so that they could go start their life. Isn't that incredible? Every seven years you could hear a whoop! What's all the whoop about? Glad you asked. I owed a debt, and I was a bond slave because of that debt I owed. But today, I am set free. That debt is paid in full, and I am free to go my way. But did you know what had happened? Some of those bond slaves had such sweet, kind, benevolent, good, gracious masters. That they didn't want to leave. They didn't want to leave. So they had a, a thing they did, and it wasn't like a legal contract, but it was, it was part of their tradition. They would take a very small nail, put it in their earlobe, and nail it through the earlobe to the doorpost of the house of their master. And then pull it right back out. And you know what that meant? I don't owe anymore. But I couldn't go anywhere and find a better master than this one. And I'm going to go work for somebody. I don't even work for me. I'd rather work for him. And for the rest of my life, I am committed to stay right here with this sweet, kind, wonderful master. We got a sweet, kind, wonderful master in Jesus Christ. And when we commit ourselves to follow him as, as a doulos, that's what Paul said, I'm a bond slave of Jesus. He said, I live, I'm dead, but yet I'm alive. And it's no more I that live, it's Christ that liveth in me. He lived for Jesus every day of his life as long as he was here on this earth and called himself a bond slave. This I recall to mind as we complete this today thy mercies are new every morning and the next verse is concerning mercy in particular but god in general great is thy faithfulness can you say man now i've got a peculiar take on 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 faith and you know what it is I don't believe the shield of faith is a force within you. I believe it's a Father who loves you. His faithfulness and your trust in Him. 
Be careful of a message of faith that makes you less dependent on God. And more dependent on the power of your own faith. Because you see, if that faith fails, you have nothing to fall back on. But if your faith is in the Father's faithfulness, number one, it isn't going to fail you. And you always have Him to fall back on. Glory be to God. Amen. I'm going to tell you something may shock you, may rock you a little bit, because hyper-faith teachers are teaching this, that when Jesus is on a boat, they're crossing the sea. The storm comes up. Jesus told them to go to the other side. They, 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 they're looking out at the storm, and they think the storm is going to sink them. And there's a man walking serenely through the storm on the waters, And the Bible said he would have passed them by. In other words, you've got to use your faith in him. He would have. Some people are saying, God knows what I need. Yes, and he wants you to trust him for it. It's called the law of faith. They that come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Listen to this. I don't have time to explain it all. I do, but I'm not going to take it because I love you and I'm going to show mercy to you. Amen. Because I know you've got things to do. Show mercy to me and let me finish. How many will give me a little mercy to finish? All right. Because Peter is looking out and he sees this man serenely walking the water. And he says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come to you. And Jesus says, no, come on. And Peter, impetuous, not so much filled with faith, but just impetuous Peter. Because you can tell he's not filled with faith in a few minutes. Amen. He jumps out of the boat and lands on the water and he doesn't sink. And now, not only is he impetuous enough to jump, but he starts to walk on the water. And then he was distracted because the storm got worse. By the way, when you start standing on the Word, expect the storm to increase to get your focus off of Jesus and off of the Word. Amen? Expect it. It's going to happen. I've been preaching for all of these years, and the devil's been trying to take me out and shut me up. But here I am today, still doing what he's been trying to stop me from doing. And if he could have stopped me, oh, he would have stopped me a long time ago. It keeps coming and coming and coming. And I thought there will be a day when everything would just smooth out. But it doesn't. The trials, the tests, the distractions, the discouragement, they just keep on coming. But Jesus is still Lord. And God is faithful. And His mercies are for people like you and me. When we're hit and hurt and down and out, He's still reaching way down to you and reaching way down to me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Elton John wrote a song that made a hit right in the middle of all the age stuff. And so many stars were dying before they found out what was going on. And he said, I'm still standing stronger than I ever was. Well, Christians ought to still be standing when all the smoke clears. Because we got a God who said He wouldn't let you fall. Now unto Him who's able to keep you from falling. And to present you how? Faultless. Hallelujah. To Him be glory. To Him be honor. Now and forever. Don't flex spiritual muscles to get people's esteem. 
that shows an immaturity. If you've got something to boast, boast in the cross, Paul said. He had all those visions and revelations. Lest he be lifted up above measure, there was given to him an emissary to keep him from getting left through the many revelations. But he always went back to grace. On Mars Hill, the power of God was moving through Paul so strong. They said the gods have come down in the form of men. And immediately he ripped open his garments, showed the flesh of his chest, and said, Do not worship me. Worship. You don't know who, who you you don't know who you worship. We know what we worship. Worship the Lord. Give the glory to God. Look to Jesus as the author and finisher of your faith. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. I do not believe Jesus expected Peter in the midst of that storm to walk on the water and not sink. Thank you for the hearty amens. Because he never did and no one else ever did. Be careful of a faith that separates you from Christ and humility and disqualifies you for grace because when I'm weak, then am I made strong. Listen to the rest of the... I do not believe He wanted Him to be so strong in the Word that I don't care about the storm. I call it ostrich faith. Ostrich, big old goony bird. And you know what his defense system is from a lion or a predator? He'll find soft sand and stick his head in it. He ain't hiding nothing. Newsflash. The lion can see the rest of you and he's not interested in your head. Amen. He's he, he looking at them wings and that, that all that white meat. Can you say amen? Don't put your head in the sand and deny enemies exist. Trust in God. So when Peter saw that the wind picked up and the waves were exceedingly strong, he began to sink. And listen to what he did. Save me! Jesus, save me! He cried out to the Lord. And immediately, Jesus didn't say if you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen. If you can't run with the big dogs, stay on the porch. Immediately. Come on. It must have been a kind of faith that he honored to run over to him. That He didn't have to run. He just... He was here, he's there. And taking him by the wrist and lifting him up and support, supporting him, him with Jesus supporting him, there's where faith is supposed to operate. Not just faith taking care of it without Jesus supporting him. There's humility and dependence. It's what God honors. They both walked back to the boat. They walked the water, but he did it with Jesus' arm around him. Can you say, man? He didn't do it by the force of his faith, but the faithfulness of his Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! So to me, the shield of faith is God's faithfulness to hear our cry. God's faithfulness to help us and save us from our enemies. I have faith 
Great is thy faithfulness, Brother Hobbs. Every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Praise God. Great is thy faithfulness. Will you stand to your feet today? The memorial service at 2 still? 2 o'clock, okay. We've got a couple of hours here. Will you stand to your feet today? Did you get something out of this service this morning, personally? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been in ministry. This is our 44th year. And I'm kind of like the, how many know this commercial? Bum, 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 bum. It's, a, it's an insurance company. We've seen a thing or two. Can you say, man? Bum, 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 bum. We've been in ministry going on 44 years, and we have seen a thing or two. And I've seen people rise up and look like they're going to run for God, outrun all the rest of us. And I say, if you can, more power to you. I want you to run the race with patience. But I've seen people that out of the gate, it looked like nothing could stop them and nothing could to- no one could top them. But I've seen them move out of that dependence that I'm talking about and try to make it on their own merit on their own faith, on their own confidence, in their own abilities. And I've seen them shipwreck over and over again. And I just will never teach or endorse that kind of faith teaching. Everybody in here needs the grace and goodness of God to sustain you. But thank God it's new every morning. Can you say amen? And thank God for its sufficiency. Praise the Lord. When Paul got down to the end of it all, he said, I fought a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. I've run a good race. (laughs) Hallelujah. Looking to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. I've finished my course. Everything God appointed me to do and anointed me to do has been done. I don't have a wife that I'm leaving, a children that I'm leaving. I've finished everything God put me on earth to do, and I'm ready to be offered up. The time of my departure is at hand. He left here with victory in spite of all the things that he went through. And he would tell you when you get there, grace, it's grace, it's grace and mercy that rewrote my life and sustained me through my whole life in ministry. So I am thankful today. Did I hand you something? Or are you ready to sing a, a, something sweet to quit off on? My great-grandmother always had apple butter, some kind of jelly, something sweet to quit off on you just not do not i saw a sign the other day said life is short eat dessert first amen it just kind of spoke to me i just spoke to me amen (laughs) let's have something sweet how many remember when he saved you if there's anybody here that needs jesus and you need that grace and mercy you're welcome to come as this song is played amen I, i i pray that anyone who needs christ would find him right here right now because there'll never be a better opportunity. There may be another opportunity, but never a better opportunity to come to Jesus. Let's give him praise.